the Romans chapter 2, verse 28, and then we're going to go over immediately to John chapter 5, verse 41. Romans chapter 2, verse 28, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. Let me just read that last little portion of verse 29. It is a circumcision of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. John chapter 5, verse 41. This is Jesus speaking to the religious people of his day. Here's what he said, verse 41. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? How can you believe who receive honor from one another, but you do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? The title here tonight is Living for God's Praise. Living for God's Praise. Lord, I pray that you would encourage your people here tonight, God, that you would challenge us, that you would motivate us to live for your approval, to live for your praise, to live for your applause and not for the applause of men. Give us a greater fear for you than we have a fear of men and the consequences of the actions of men. Help us to live as unto you for your glory so that we can in the final day receive a reward when you honor those who have continued to honor you throughout their life. God, bless us here tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'd like to start by asking a very serious question. A very serious question. And here's the question. How many have ever been embarrassed by the cereal that you eat? How many of you have ever been embarrassed By the cereal you eat. I know that's a probing question and a very serious nature. Well, there once was a time in my life where I was embarrassed and ashamed of the kind of cereal that I ate. When I was probably in second or third grade, probably around eight or nine years old, there was a project in school where you had to bring a cereal box from home, and it was used for this project that we did. And you did the project at home, and you brought it to the school, and everybody brought their project using their their respective cereal boxes. And this was a a time where my mom was staying at home while we, while um, I think actually Seth might have been born. So he might have been born. He was a newborn at the at the the house. My mom was not working. My dad was, was cleaning carpet, didn't have the job that he has today. They didn't have a lot of money during this time. They just didn't. We, we never got Coke or tea when we went out to eat. If we did go out to eat, it was always water. Every time after church, we never went out to eat. It was always leftovers. 
And I know many of us can relate to this. But for a kid, those were just, that was just not cool. And one thing they, my parents were very frugal on and they scrimped and saved on was their cereal selection from the supermarket. And I am a Fruity Pebbles type of guy. But the cereal boxes that we had in our house, it was the off-brand, generic, knockoff brand cereals. You, you ever had those? You go down the cereal aisle, there's all the name brand $10 cereals. I mean, a box of cereal, name brand, is extremely expensive. Five, six dollars for a box. You go down the aisle, and then there's all the off-brand, knockoff brands. For every name brand cereal you have, you have a generic one that matches it. I don't know if it was Fruity Jewels or Kids Crunch or Tootie Fruities that I used for this project. But whatever, pro- whatever box that I had, I brought it to school. And there was a kid at school who commented on saying, your box is weird. What kind of cereal is that? And I, I can still remember that feeling in that classroom, feeling embarrassed and ashamed that of all odd things... I was worried because my box of cereal was not name brand. And there's no shame in buying off-brand cereal. That's more power to you. Save money. I will say Fruity Jewels do not taste the same as Fruity Pebbles. That's just a fact. But I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I cared about what my peers thought of me. Now, this is a funny story. It's very inconsequential. But... So many people around us, in our culture, in the world, so many people are fueled and governed by the desire for the approval and praise and attention of others. And that's really what was at at play in my little nine-year-old head. I felt like I was ashamed of my off-brand cereal, and I wanted to fit in with others. And so many people are fueled by their desire to fit in or to be liked or to be approved, to be praised by the world or whoever in their life they care to receive praise from. Adolescents do it, teenagers do it, and even adults do it. It manifests itself in different ways depending on the age that you are. But teenagers live for their peers' approval and so do adults. It's funny, the things that people do, the, the very foolish and nonsensical things that people do because they want to impress others. It doesn't matter what age you are. People do very foolish and nonsensical things merely because they want to impress people around them who are watching their lives. Here's an example. My eighth grade year and Eighth grade science, I once cut a piece of my eyebrow to impress a cute girl. Dumb. Foolish. What a dumb little uh, eighth grade boy does to impress a girl, cuts his eyebrow. Uh, uh, Dumb. But people do all kinds of dumb and idiotic and nonsensical things because they are fueled by a desire for the attention of others. They want to impress others. They want to garner the praise of others. There's a reason most every teenager has heard this phrase. If they jumped off a cliff, would you do it too? I think most of us heard that phrase growing up because... We desire naturally to fit in and to be approved by our culture. That's what our flesh 
and our carnal nature, that's what it wants. And so if you even think about this, this desire to fit in, to be, Im- to, to be impressive, to be praised, to garner attention and, pray and, and uh, approval, it even influences the name brand of clothes that people wear. It influences the neighborhood that people live in. It influences the house that they buy. It influences the college that they send their kids to. It influences the vehicle they buy, even when they can't afford it. It influences the possessions they own. It influences the career that they pursue. It even influences the spouse that they pick. Because they care about what people think. They have a fear of men and a fear of rejection. And they love the praise and approval of people around them. And truly, I think this is why social media is so successful. It's a wonderful tool to stay connected with people and friends. And even a ministry tool, wonderful tool. We're using it right now. But I believe social media, it is so successful because it feeds the craving that people have for the attention and approval of others. With the mass pursuit of likes. And if you're on social media, you know that feeling. You know what that is. You post something, a picture of your family, something you write on there, and it feels good. It actually feels good chemically in the brain. There's studies for this. It feels good when you get likes. And we have a generation of young people who are living for likes to the point that Everything they represent on social media, it's a second life. It's a virtual life, and nothing is real for the pursuit of likes and approval and praise of people. Perception becomes reality through social media and other means. Perception becomes reality. What you want people to think of you because you want to be liked. You want to be accepted. You want, and we enjoy the praise of people. This is how the world operates. This is natural to all people. And and truly, individuals driven by this, they are slaves to the praises and approval of men. And even as Christians, we must still contend with this desire for the praises of men which is competing with our desire truly for the one and only praise we should desire, which is the praise of God. All of us must be reminded as Christians, we live before an audience of one. We live solely for the praise of God. And it is a continual temptation, even for the Christian, to be motivated and fueled by the praises of men and their acceptance. And I can even tell you, I deal with that, especially as a pastor. I'll tell you what, there's nothing more that feeds your ego than pulpit ministry, than being in front of people and talking. It, 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 um, it really exposes your insecurity and your, 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 um, your cowardness really within you and the amount of pride that you have in you, and your desire to be approved by people and to get pats on the back, I tell you what, that's, that's, what it, that's what it's proven to me. And I have to remind myself continually, God, I am ministering to you first and foremost. I do all these things as unto you. I want to be true to you. I don't care if no one likes me. If you approve of me, even if my wife doesn't approve of me, if no one else approves of me, if you approve of me, then I 
am satisfied. And that's my desire for my life, and that's my desire for us here tonight, that we would be only satisfied with the applause of one, and that is Jesus Christ. So as we read in John chapter 5, verse 41, Jesus speaking to the religious hypocrites of his day, they love the praises of men. They love to look religious. They love to be right. They love to have the power and influence on the people around them, and they use the Jewish religion to do so. And he says in verse 41, I do not receive honor from men. Jesus is saying, what I do in my ministry, it is not determined upon my desire for honor for men. I could care less if you think I'm the Messiah or not. That's not going to determine how I respond. I'm going to live before the Father. I'm going to live before the Father. I don't care if you deny my works, if you deny my claims, if you don't believe. It's not going to change the way I minister in this world. I'm not living for your approval, is what Jesus is saying to these Pharisees. I'm not living for your approval. But I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. We're getting to the root cause as to why these men love the praises of men, because they really didn't love God. They really didn't love God. They loved themselves more. They loved the praises of men. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. Verse 44, how can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? You cannot believe. You cannot bow down before God while you're preoccupied bowing down before men and desiring their honor and their praise. It can't happen together. And you look at this word honor. This word honor, it means a good opinion, praise, glory, an appearance commanding respect. These men are seeking honor from fellow men, fellow mortals. They are seeking honor. They're seeking a good opinion. They're seeking praise. They're seeking glory. They're they're seeking an appearance which would command respect from mere men. And this is squashed out. This is stomped out. Their desire to be honored by God first and foremost. And he says, I know this is the reason because you do not love God. And you would love me and you would know who I am if you love the Father who has sent me. But you don't. But you don't. And you seek honor from men. And you seek to be honored by them. But you will not honor the Son of God. A desire for honor from men will always stamp out a desire for honor from God. It doesn't mean that you can't be honored by people while simultaneously being pleasing to God. It just means your desire to be honored or praised or approved has to be directed towards God's approval and praise. If men praise you, if men approve you, great. But if you have not God's praise, what's the point? It's meaningless. But it is a desire. Be consumed with a desire for God's honor, for God's praise, for God's pleasure with your life. And so we see that the content of their hearts, their lack of love, and their love for themselves, and their love for honor from men, it had withheld from them seeking honor from God. And so let me tell you very quickly why I believe, what I believe causes this. Well, what causes, what causes individuals seeking praise and attention and approval of others? In my observation, I wrote down three things. 
What causes this? It's self-centeredness, it's pride, and it's fear. It is self-centeredness, it's pride, and it's fear. Self-centeredness, it's when we think of ourselves too often, when the world revolves around us, when we are the center and everything revolves around us, that the point of reference is us. When we are more concerned with our own desires, needs, and interests more than those around us. And oftentimes, to be insecure or overly self-conscious, it is really self-centeredness. A lot of individuals who are insecure and self-conscious and unsure of themselves, it it, it may look like a little weakness or, or it may look quite pious even because they think so little of themselves, but really, they're consumed with themselves. There's a self-centeredness there that they can't get their eyes off themselves and stop worrying about what do people think of me. And it's a great hindrance in your life. A great hindrance in your life. Pride. And there are two kinds of pride when it comes to this. There is the pride of the strong that praises itself. Okay, one who is puffed up, full of themselves. They, They endorse themselves. They put themselves forward. It is the pride of the strong that praises itself, and there is the pride of the weak that craves people to praise them. So the pride pride of the strong, they praise themselves, and the pride of the weak, they crave people to praise them. And then there is another, I believe, cause for us to seek the approval and praise of men, and it's fear. The desire for praise is often coupled with the fear of rejection. A fear of rejection. So many people walk around fearful that they will be rejected for what they believe, who they are, and what they have done. I love what Oswald Chambers said. He said, the remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas, if you do not fear God, you will fear everything else. If you have no fear for God, you will inevitably be motivated by fear in the things that you do and a fearful, fearfulness associated with the rejection of people. Maybe you've heard this before. If we live for the acceptance of people, we will die by their rejection. If you live for people's acceptance, if you live for their approval, if you live for their praise, if that's what you're consumed with, then you will likewise die by their rejection. You must seek a praise, an honor from one that matters the most. That is God. That is our audience of one. I do want you to understand this, though. We're to be countercultural. We're, we're, we're to go against the grain of society. We're to look different. The Christian should be different. And for the person who, who, who is walking in this, who could care less what people think about them, There's a boldness there, and and, and there's just an absolute um, preoccupation with what does God think of this, and am I glorifying God? And and we know that Jesus said, you will be hated for my name's sake, and blessed are you if you are persecuted and abused for my name's sake, for so I I will be treated. And, And so we understand we will not be accepted by society as Christians because Christ is contrary to the carnal flesh, is contrary to a carnal world. We get that. But, but, but never seek to be hated by people, okay? Do not seek to be hated 
as if the fact that people hate you is a badge of honor. Okay? Now, if people hate you, there's two reasons. It's either because of you or because of Christ. And don't get the two mixed up. There are some Christians, they say, man, such and such person just doesn't, doesn't like me. They, they hate me They're, because I'm a Christian. Could it be, maybe, you're abrasive. Maybe you're negative. Maybe you have certain qualities that don't represent Christ, and they have issues with you and not with your Christ. Could that be the case? If so, God help us. God help us to grow in likeness to Christ. But, so, so what, I mean by, what I mean by that is, don't just rejoice that you're hated and persecuted by men. Period. It's rejoice that you are hated and persecuted by men for the Lord's sake. Big difference. For the sake of the Lord. That your the hatred directed towards you is directed towards Christ. You are a co-sufferer with Christ for his namesake. Then rejoice all the day long because you are being identified with Jesus Christ. But make sure that it's, you're being identified with Jesus and not just your carnal flesh. We must be careful how we behave around us. Our job is not to seek the favor of people, but God's favor. We allow, we put it in the hands of God for Him to give us favor with people, but we seek God's favor and let Him take care of man's favor directed towards us. I will say, the Bible tells us that when Jesus was growing up, He grew in favor with God and with men. He grew in favor with God and with men. God will either give us favor with people or he will sustain us in the midst of that persecution and hatred as we seek to honor him with everything we do, desiring his praise and his praise alone. So let me apply this in four different ways. Four ways in which the consequences of being a people pleaser. Four consequences of being a people pleaser. Number one, we would not even be Christians if we live to please others. So if you are consumed with pleasing people, you can't even be a Christian. And I will prove this to you. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Paul says, For I, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? It's a question. For if I still pleased men... I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So he asked these two questions. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, then I would not be a bondservant of Christ. If I still pleased men. This was Paul's previous motivation when he persecuted Christians as a religious Pharisee, a Hebrew of Hebrews proud of his lineage and the fact that he was a seed of Abraham. And he sought to please men by taking Christians and persecuting them in his previous life before Christ. And here in the scripture, Paul questions, uh, Paul's question indicates that his opponents were accusing him of preaching only to gain a following from people, only to garner praise from men. And he answers himself by saying that if he were trying to gain a following, if he were trying to please men and appeal to men and gain popularity with men, um, he would not then be a bondservant of Christ. 
So you cannot simultaneously be one who is a people pleaser, who is living to please men, and be a bondservant of Christ. They do not go hand in hand. And as a bondservant of Christ, a willful slave for Christ, Paul suffered much affliction and persecution because of his testimony in Christ. His such personal sacrifice is the opposite of pleasing men and yourself. He was seeking to please Christ. And because he sought to please Christ, he willfully became a bondservant to the point that he willfully suffered and was persecuted and afflicted for the sake of Jesus' name. He did not do it for his own glory, for his own popularity, for his own adoration. He did it for the cause of Christ. You cannot be simultaneously a seeker of men's pleasure and a seeker of God. He says this in Galatians 6.12 at the very end of the book. He says, As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Paul contended, It was hard for me to leave my Jewish faith, if you will. It was, it, was, it was not easy. It was not the easy road to walk away from Judaism and, and follow after Christ. It has led to great persecution. And there are those who would compel you to be circumcised and to have a good show in the flesh because they do not want to per- suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. But sometimes and oftentimes we do suffer persecution as bondservants of Christ because we care about his approval, we care about his praise, and we want to please him. And so the implication follows then that you cannot please men and still be a bondservant of Christ. And so to begin, you cannot even be a Christian if you are consumed, if you're consumed with a desire to please people. And so many people are withheld from making decisions for Christ because they care so much what their peers think. And it keeps people from believing. Number two, we are silenced for concern of what people will think, say, or do to us. If we are motivated by a fear of people, if we're motivated because we want praise from people and we fear people, we will be silenced for concern of what they will think, say, or do to us. John 12, 42 says, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. Many rulers in the city believed that Jesus was the Christ. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. Meaning they did not come out and make a public confession, he is the Christ. Why? Lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Lest they should be excommunicated. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Although these religious leaders or spiritual leaders of the city, although they knew Jesus was the Christ... Some of these knew this. They were convinced of this. They would not publicly confess him because they feared being excommunicated and they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. And what a sad example of spiritual leadership. And don't we see this today? Don't we see this today? Now, I'm not going to to make assumptions as to what is the condition of men's hearts and where they're at in the relationship with God. But but there, there is... No small number of preachers in pulpits today who have watered down the gospel message for fear, for fear of criticism from people, for fear of losing money in the tithe and offering, for fear of losing congregates. 
They will only go so far as to preach the full counsel of God, and they are fearful of the criticism that they will bear because really, really, they care too much about what people think of them. They love the praises of men more than they love the praises of God. God help us. God help me to be motivated by love for God's praise and no one else's. No one else's. Fear the one who has power of life and death over you. Do not fear mere mortal men. Fear the judge, the righteous judge of all the earth. You fear him, and you will only have to worry about his praise, his adoration. Number three, if we are this people pleaser, if we care about praise and acceptance and approval of others, we will inevitably disobey God when we listen to people more than God. If you recall, the experience that Saul, King Saul had in 1 Samuel chapter 15, uh, the prophet Samuel had instructed him, when you go and you go up against and battle against the people of Amalek, I want you to utterly destroy them. Destroy, destroy every single human being and destroy every single animal. Do not preserve anything. Utterly destroy it. This is God's judgment upon these people from past acts they did against people, God's people. And, and we know the story. Saul, he did it only to a point. He partially obeyed God's command. And he preserved the life of King Agag, and then he preserved all of the good livestock under the supposed uh, uh, desire that he was going to use that livestock for sacrifices unto the Lord under the false pretense. And here's what Samuel said to him in 1 Samuel 15, 22. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is an iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words. And why did he do this? He tells us. He tells us why he did this. Because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. God's anointed, the king over Israel, he obeyed the voice of the Lord to a point, but he feared the people truly more than he feared God, and he obeyed their voice as opposed to God's voice. And, and Samuel said, because you have rejected God's voice, God has rejected you as king. Saul cared more about what people wanted than what God had commanded him to do. It is certain that what you fear or honor most, you will bow down to. What you fear and honor most, that is that thing which you will listen to and inevitably bow down to it. Number four, and lastly, our service to God becomes empty and hypocritical if we do it for the praise of people. Even in the house of God, even in Christian service, even in our good deeds and our praying and our fasting, 
If we do these things which look very spiritual, if we do these things for the praise of people, it becomes empty and hypocritical. And case in point is Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus instructs his followers on the absolute importance of pure motives for their service unto the Lord and their service to their fellow man. And there's three ways in which Jesus makes this an example. He talks about when you give, when you do charitable deeds. In verse 1 of chapter 6, he says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Be careful. Yes, it's good for your charitable charitable deeds to be done. But don't do it in the name of God with the wrong motives because you desire praise from people. You desire people to see what you're doing, and that's your motivation. He said, otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. It is empty. It's meaningless. It, it, It merits no satisfaction from God. He says, rather, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Do it in secret. Do it as unto the Lord, and it doesn't matter if one person knows what you've done. Do it unto the Lord, and you will have a reward in God's presence. He goes on to say, when you pray, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. That word hypocrite means pretender. It, it was a word used for those who in a theatrical play would put on mask or an actor playing the hypocrite. A pretender. Don't be like them. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. They're praying to God with their lips, but they're doing it because they want to be seen by men. They want to be seen as holy and great and righteous, but they're doing it because they want to be seen by men and receive their praise. He says, assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. What are those people's rewards? What is the reward of a hypocrite? Well, their reward is what they're seeking. They will receive the praise of men, but that's it. That's the reward. When they stand in the street corner and they seek to be seen by people, and receive praise from people, that's what they're going to get. That's their only reward. God takes no notice of a hypocritical prayer and a hypocritical heart with only the motivation to be seen as holy and as great and righteous. The reward that they seek is praise from men, and that is why they do, in fact, get their reward. Lastly, he says, when you fast, in verse 16, moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites, the pretenders, with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their face, and they, that they may appear to be men, to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. What is the reward? Praise for men. That's it. But you, when you go pray, when you fast, go pray in your closet. Go do it in secret, and God will reward you openly. And when you, when you fast, wash your face. Don't look disgruntled and, and, and make it apparent that you're fasting. And do it as unto the Lord, and you will have your reward with the Father. He will reward you. The Christian must be careful, even in service to God, that what he or she does is for the approval of God and not for the praise of other Christians. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid, in many Christian circles and even churches, it's, it's a big show to be seen by people. And that's not me trying to be critical. It's just what I see 
Not in all churches, not in all of American Christianity, but so much is just entertainment in a show, and it's a look-at-me show. It's look at this rock star preacher, this rock, rock, rock star worship team, and, and it's all about the man and the ministry, and the preeminence of Christ is lost in all of it. But for those who seek the approval and praises of men, Jesus calls them hypocrites. They're pretenders. Because in their giving and their praying and their fasting, they want to appear as if they treasure God, but in fact, they treasure the praise of men. Jesus calls those individuals hypocrites when they seek the praise of men. When you do something praiseworthy or good, when you do something that you know is praiseworthy, to get praise for men, you are not doing the praiseworthy thing. If you do something that is on its face praiseworthy, charitable deeds, giving to the needy, to the poor, praying to the Lord, fasting as unto the Lord, that's praiseworthy. But if you're doing it with the motive for a praise from men, then you are not doing the praiseworthy thing. You are doing the praise-craving thing. You are self-centered, you're prideful with yourself. That is hypocrisy, that is pretending. That individual pretends to do the good thing, but that is incidental to what they really want. They want applause. And we must fight this craving by first hating hypocrisy and desiring a pure heart with pure motives. And God can give that to us. Listen, within all of us, there's a measure of pride that needs to be rooted out. Every day, the Lord reveals things in me. Not because, not, and he doesn't condemn me, but he just says, oh, there's, there's, there's things in your life, Stephen. There's Stephen in you, and I need to root out that fleshly carnal self that's within you. And I want to put the nature of Christ within you. And so there are experiences that expose my pride. There are experiences that expose my insecurity. There are experiences that expose I do have a desire for the praise of people. I think all of us ha- have to contend with this and have a measure of this. doesn't mean that you're away from God. It just means that we just need to continually submit ourselves to God, seek with a pure heart, with pure motives, a desire for the praises of God and His alone. And that begins with love Him. Those Pharisees, he said, I know that you don't love God because you don't love God. You don't love the one whom He has sent. You care more about the praises of men, about the honor from men, than from the honor from God. You love God with all your heart. You seek Him. You desire Him. And it's only his approval that you'll care about. I don't care if any other woman loves me as long as my wife loves me. That's the only affection I long for when it comes to my life. She is my one and only. She's my only um, desire, romantic desire. I care only about her love and her affection. I don't care about anybody else's. It's hers that I want. And it's likewise, because I love God the most, I want his praise. I want his adoration. I want his approval. And so let me, let me conclude here with Romans chapter 2. We read Romans chapter 2 at the very beginning. And let me end with Romans chapter 2. I want you to listen very closely, very closely to, to these closing remarks. Is there something that is just so wonderful in these two verses that I want to, to bring out to us in relation to this? Very quickly, verse 28, 228. For he is not a Jew who is one in outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise 
is not from men, but from God. Now, because I don't know Greek, and most of us don't know Greek, if we wouldn't catch on to something that's very, very interesting. This word praise that Paul uses in the original Greek, he's doing a play on words. Because the word Jew, the word Jew, it literally means praise. The word Jew, it literally means praise. It is derived from the name of Jacob, or Israel's fourth son, who is Judah. And in the Hebrew, his name is Yehuda, who was born to Leah. And his name, the name Judah, it is described when Leah had Judah in Genesis 29, 35, she says, and she conceived again and bore a son and said, now I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Judah's name means praise. And the reason, the reason we get the name Jew from Judah is because on his deathbed, Jacob assigned Judah the role of leader and king. And he prophesied in a prophecy that was fulfilled in 869 B.C. When all 12 tribes submitted to the reign of King David of the tribe of Judah. And in Genesis chapter 49, this is what Jacob, a few things that he says to Judah. He's the fourth born son. He's not the first. He's not the first. He's the fourth. And he skips over the first three and he says, Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Verse 9 of 49, he says, Judah is a lion's whelp. And in verse 10, he says, the scepter, which is a symbol of kingship, shall not depart from Judah. And this was fulfilled when all the tribes gathered and they submitted to David, who was of the tribe of Judah. Who else was of the tribe of Judah, of the seed of David? A man called Jesus, who we know to be called the lion of the tribe of Judah. And truly, He has a scepter in his hand, and he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And in Romans chapter 2, Paul is saying, this is wonderful in verse 29, but he is a Jew. He is a person of praise, a person of praise who is one inwardly, not one in association with the blood flowing through your veins, calling Abraham your father, like the... the, the, uh, the uh, Pharisees were doing in John chapter 5 in Jesus' presence. Not as those, but one inwardly where there's a circumcision of the heart. And how does that circumcision of the heart come? Only through faith in Jesus Christ. Not by the works of the law. Not, there's no justification by the works of the law. You're justified by faith in Jesus Christ. He who seeks praise not from the works of the flesh and works of the law, but he who seeks praise in association with faith in Jesus Christ. Because the only praiseworthy one who has ever existed on this earth, it is Jesus. It is Jesus. And he says this, in the Spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. The one who is consumed with praise toward the Father, the real Jew, The real Jew is the one who is consumed with praise for God. And that is the one who will receive praise not from men, but from God. So the only thing 
that matters in the end. And this is what I want to have such a singleness of mind. This is the only thing I want to work towards towards the end of my life. This is what I desire. This is what we should be consumed. To hear this at the end of our life. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. This is our praise. This is our reward from God, which we should desire. This should be the motivation and the desire of our heart. I want Jesus. I want a greater love for Jesus. I want his praise, his adoration. I want him to be pleased with my life. I don't care what anybody else thinks. Whether it be my spouse, my coworkers, my boss, my friends, my family, I care only what God thinks of me. I live before an audience of one, and there's only one hand clap I care about, and that's God sitting upon his throne. And I want to stand before him on judgment day because of what Jesus has accomplished for me through the circumcision of my heart, having praised him my whole life, and then receiving praise from him. Well done, good and faithful servant. Church, let us live for the approval and praise of our Lord. He is our Lord. We submit to him. We cannot have two masters. Let's seek his approval. Let's desire him. He, he will honor us in the end as we honor him.